Hey Blues fans, welcome to another episode of This Week of the Blues. I'm your host Jimbo Big Train Matson with Big Train and the Locomotives. So let's take a look at what happened this week in blues history. On December 17, 1930, Lucille Bogan first records Black Angel Blues. It became a blues standard and has been recorded by a number of different artists with slightly different versions or different titles. This included Tampa Red, Robert Nighthawk, and Earl Hooker. In 1956, B.B. King recorded a version with the revised title, Sweet Little Angel. King's version, which included a horn section, was a stylistic shift for the song and it became a hit, reaching number eight on the Billboard R&B chart. Chicago blues harp player, Paul Butterfield, was born December 17, 1942. Butterfield was the first white harmonica player to develop a style original and powerful enough to place him in among the true blues greats. Early on, he explored the blues scene in Chicago, where he met Muddy Waters and other blues greats, who provided encouragement and opportunities for him to join in on jam sessions. In 1963, he formed the Paul Butterfield Blues Band with Elvin Bishop, among others. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015. Blues guitarist and singer Pete Wee Creighton was born December 18th in 1914. It is thought he was the first blues guitarist to use a Fender Stratocaster, playing one given to him by Leo Fender. One of his first recordings in 1948 was the instrumental Blues After Hours, which reached number one on the Billboard R&B chart. On May 8th, 2019, Creighton was posthumously inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame by longtime friend Doug McLeod in a ceremony held in Memphis by the Blues Foundation. The one and only Lonnie Brooks was born December 18, 1933. Having forged a unique Louisiana-Chicago blues synthesis unlike anyone else's on the competitive Windy City scene, the charismatic guitarist long reigned as one of the town's top bluesmen. Here's an interesting fact. His name was Lee Baker, and he called himself Guitar Junior until he moved to Chicago, where Luther Johnson was already using that name. So he went with the name Lonnie Brooks instead. Now why he didn't use his real name of Lee Baker, I really don't know. Ace saxophone player Eddie Cleanhead Vincent was born December 18th in 1917. He played jump blues, jazz, bebop, and R&B. He was nicknamed Cleanhead after an incident in which his hair was accidentally destroyed by lye contained in a hair straightening product. And that required shaving it all off. He really liked the look and he maintained a shaved head thereafter. Peg Leg Sam was born December 18th in 1911. He was a blues harp player, singer, and comedian. Early in his career, he worked in medicine shows. He lost his leg in 1930, trying to hop a train. He made a peg out of a fence post, bound it to a stump with a leather belt, and kept moving. Pegleg Sam gave his last medicine show in 1972 in North Carolina, but continued to appear at music festivals in his final years. New Orleans piano legend Professor Longhair, or Fess for short, was born December 19th in 1918. 
He was born Henry Bird in Bogalusa, Louisiana, and his distinctive style of piano playing was influenced by learning to play on an instrument that was missing some keys. Longhair grew up on the streets of the Big Easy. A natural-born card shark and gambler, Longhair began to take his playing seriously in 1948, earning a gig at the Caledonia Club. His piano style has been described as instantly recognizable, combining rumba, mambo, and calypso. Blues, boogie-woogie, and jazz pianist, guitarist, and singer, Walter Rowland was probably born December 20th in 1902. I say probably because, like so many of his time, record-keeping was dodgy at best. Roman was born in Ralph, Alabama, and is most noted for his association with Lucille Bogan, Josh White, and Sonny Scott. He started playing on the Birmingham blues circuit in the 1920s. His range covered slow blues to upbeat, jaunty boogie-woogie numbers. Between 1933 and 1935, Roland traveled to New York on three occasions, recording around 50 songs under his own name for Banner Records. The Devil's son-in-law, Petey Wheatstraw, was born December 21st in 1902. He began recording in 1930 and was so popular that he continued to record through the Great Depression, when the number of blues recordings issued was drastically reduced. On December 21st in 1941, which was his 39th birthday, he and some friends decided to take a drive to find some more liquor when the Buick they were riding in struck a freight train, killing all three. Chicago blues singer and songwriter Lil Green was born December 22nd, 1919. She was among the leading female rhythm and blues singers of the 1940s with a sensual soprano voice. She was born somewhere in Mississippi, no specific location to specify. After the early deaths of her parents, she began performing in her teens and having honed her craft in the church performing gospel, she sang in Mississippi juke joints. In 1929, she moved to Chicago, where she would make all of her recordings. Green was noted for her superb timing and rich, sinuous voice. Mississippi Delta bluesman Josh Razorblade Stewart was born December 22, 1946, in Jonestown, Mississippi. Stewart taught himself to play music as a young child, and he learned how to read music as a member of the Cahoma County Agricultural High School and College Band, where he played for six years and became accomplished at the slide trombone, saxophone, trumpet, and piano. Returning in 1970 after serving in Vietnam, he joined brothers Harvell and Dion Thomas as member of James Super Chicken Johnson's original band, The Fighting Cox. Stewart would go on to mentor the youth of Clarksdale, Mississippi, teaching them the fundamental of the blues and cementing his legacy. Blues, jazz, ragtime, and boogie-woogie pianist Will Ezell was born December 23, 1892. By 1926, Ezell started to work for Paramount in Chicago because they provided regular work for black musicians, which was not always available elsewhere. He regularly contributed to recordings made by Paramount Records in the late 20s and early 30s, and was a technically brilliant pianist, showing the strong influence of jazz as well as blues. In addition to his musical input, Ezell's duties with Paramount were pretty varied. In December 1929, he escorted the body of Blind Lemon Jefferson, who had been one of Paramount's best-selling artists, 
by railroad back to Jefferson's home state of Texas for burial. Well, blues fans, we just covered some of the highlights here. If you want to know more about these artists or other things that happened this week in the blues, be sure to follow our social media pages or visit our website at BigTrainBlues.com. We'll have a new episode next week, so we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.